From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, September 16th. Today in the news, reporter Justin Higginbottom takes us to a vital race that happens across the country. Everywhere, there's a paved road. It's the reason you have ripe tomatoes or ice cream or paper clips. Those in Moab know the race well. Two hundred years ago, Moab was on the old Spanish trail. Traders and pioneers moved through the Red Rock Valley, traveling between Santa Fe and Los Angeles. Now Moab is on trucking routes, supplying products across the southwest. Trucks move over 70% of the nation's freight by weight. In 2020, there were some 3 million drivers. But it comes at an often hidden cost. Behind every rumbling engine are stories of missed birthdays and anniversaries, of loneliness and health sacrifices. Victor Beltran is parked outside of a Maverick gas station. His driving partner is asleep in the truck, he'll be waking up any minute, and then it will be Beltran's turn to rest. In the container of his truck are airbags for cars. So they construct the airbags in Ogden, and uh, we pick them up, take them to Laredo, and then we pick up parts for airbags and bring them back to Ogden, and that's my job. We do about 6,000 miles a week. You know, we go to Laredo twice in one week. The only thing I like about trucking is the money. That's the only reason why I do it. There's some people that love it. I know there's, they live in these trucks and this is all they do. And like I said, they're a different breed. They're amazing people. Beltran lives in the Salt Lake Valley. He's been on the road for most of this week and it will still be a couple days before he sees his children. But um, I drive six, six days out of the week and uh, I have a wife and six kids. So I miss out a lot on that. I come home on Monday around 2 or 4 p.m. and then I leave Wednesday morning. I spend all day with my wife. Uh, She doesn't leave my side and uh, I try to do as much as I can with each kid. I have no idea what the old timers have gone through but they're made out of different stuff because the technology that we have to communicate with them. I'm on the phone every day with my wife and kids. I call them up, hey, what are you doing today? Uh, they didn't have that opportunity. You know, they had to pull over pay phones, if pay phones were available. So I don't know how they did it. Raymond Munson knows about the stress that trucking can cause a family. He's parked in a dirt lot just outside of town. He has a natural gas tank on his flatbed. So when you come home, I mean, the running, jumping your arm hugs, you know, and then when it's time to leave, the crying, you know, that's, that's the hardest part is, you know, saying goodbye. It's been really hard, you know, it ended up causing a divorce and I guess it, it drives me crazy not being home all the time. So before recently, I mean, I'd get home maybe once a month for a few days. Uh, but as of recently, it's been a little better. I mean, I come through maybe twice a week. Yeah, being gone all the time. The first company I went to work for, I was a, it was a training company. You had to be out two to three months before going home. I mean, that's kind of what killed it. I mean, just right away. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. Going from being able to be home in a nice bed every night 
to living on the road full time, it's definitely a lifestyle. It's not, you know, just a necessity. I mean, you have to fully embrace it to be able to do it every day. Me, myself, I, you know, on a good day, I can run 700 miles in a day. In the time I've been driving, I've only been driving since 2017. I've covered all of the lower 48. I kind of dropped out of school. I didn't finish high school. I didn't do any kind of college training. So I, I did what I was good at. And I got tired of working jobs that just, I mean, minimum wage, you know, in modern society, you can't survive on it. And so I went, you know, looking for more money with what skills I had. And I found somewhere that, you know, I felt I made a difference. And when she asked me to stop, I couldn't. I said, you know, we got to make it work. You know, I can't go back to, you know, working minimum wage, working 60, 70 hours a week for three or $400. Joel Sweat is from Mississippi, from the same street as Jerry Lee Lewis. Those old timers, that different breed who doesn't mind being on the road for most of the month, that might just be Sweat. He doesn't seem to particularly miss home. How, how often do you make it home? I, this is my home. I got a car down in El Paso. Uh, I uh, I rent a little uh, Airbnb. I've got an Airbnb house I always rent when I'm down there across the border. What I like to do is I like to work three weeks and take a week off. And that way I can, you know, I don't like to get up, you know, and when I'm off, I like to be off instead of a weekend off. It takes me sometimes to get over, you know, get, get rid of a hangover. It takes me all weekend to get rid of a hangover. You know, I need more than three days. I need at least a week. This truck is top of line. This is a Cadillac of trucks. This is a 2020 uh, Kenworth. This is good. This is nice to get, really. I mean, right now I've got it kind of junked up, but that's a very comfortable bed. That's one of the most comfortable beds I've ever been in. And I've got thermostat back there. I've got my own. I don't have to run the main engine. I've got a little engine back there that I can keep a thermostat controlled. I got pots and pans. I cook. I got a refrigerator. Matter of fact, I cooked some sausages earlier. Um, Sweat was in the military. Then he worked in oil fields in Texas, on offshore rigs in Africa, tow boats on the Mississippi River. Now he's parked in a spot of shade in downtown Moab, a load of refrigerated candy in his truck. It's, I'm my own boss. I've, I've worked, uh, like I said, I've worked uh, on tow boats on Mississippi River. I did that for seven years. I work a month on, a month off. I like to make my own schedule. And I, if I want to stop in the middle of the day and pull over and take a nap, I can. I work for a really, really good family that owns a business out of El Paso. And so all my life I've traveled, I've, I've lived in Pakistan and worked in Pakistan. I've lived and worked in the Kuwait, in Iraq, uh, Africa, and Nigeria. And I've been all up and down the East Coast, the South, and the Midwest, and I've always wanted to travel that West. And I didn't, I was like, you know, what am I gonna do? You know what I mean? It's funny how fate finds you. Trucking is the seventh most dangerous job in the country. Earlier this month, a person was killed when they collided with a semi-truck near town on an early Saturday morning. Last year, two trucks collided on the highway, killing both drivers. It's unsafe out there. You know, trucking is not a safe occupation. They take pride on how many safe miles you do. That's why I got that big one up there. 
I've done one million safe miles. Beltran has a big red one on the side of his truck for driving a million miles without an accident. He's also wearing a hat celebrating the feat. Anything can happen. For me, a great day when it, for me is uh, when it was boring. Uh, if nothing happens, I'm happy. Because something happens when you're trucking, it's usually not a good thing. Tire blows or hit a deer or, you know, accident in front of you or bad weather. It's usually don't like excitement. <laughs> I was team driving and during the, uh, my sleeping shift, my co-driver wrecked the truck while I was sleeping in the bunk. It's one of the scariest experiences, you know, dead in your slumber to a truck rolling over and then them wanting you to jump in another truck with another co-driver. I couldn't do it. I, I handed them the keys and said, yeah, I'm done. Well, there was word that they were going to try and build a Loves on the north side of town and that got shut down. I mean, it's something that's needed here. That's, that's one problem that we face every day, having somewhere safe to park. Every day, I keep my tire thumper close when I go to bed. You know, you never know if someone's gonna try and break in, and I even have gotten to the point, I avoid cities like Chicago or, you know, places like that, just because, I mean, I've watched people get broke into in the middle of the night. It's not only crashes and crime that make trucking risky. Sitting behind the wheel can take a toll on your health. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found drivers were twice as likely to smoke and had twice the rate of diabetes than the national average. It can also be hard to exercise regularly during a long haul. It's really easy to gain weight driving a truck, especially if you keep that left door closed and you just aim for miles and miles and sleep. You know, if you're just driving and sleeping, you can gain weight so much. My first year in trucking, I gained 100 pounds. A good friend of mine, I mean, he ended up having a health issue that was caused by an injury at trucking that ended up causing cancer to spread, and he died last year. And I mean, we were closer than friends. So you make a lot of friends out here, but at the same time, you know, when you do find the good ones, you know, it's always, something crazy that takes them. Man, working as a freaking cashier at Walmart, down in El Paso uh, when I was working in the oil fields, El Paso was like one of the world's safest cities. It was like extremely safe. Kumbaya, everybody walks around hugging. And then some jackass freaking paints himself up and walks into the Walmart down there. Yeah, and kills 10 to 15 people. The way I look at it, brother, Man, when the Lord says it's, oh, it's, it's today's the day, right now's it, that's it. The thing that surprised me is um, I didn't know how important it was. Because I just barely started about seven years ago, when it, like early 40s. Um, the importance of truck driving, of how we get our stuff. I took all that, all that, took all that stuff for granted, you know. I didn't care how it got to the store, <laughs> but it's it's really important, and um, it's really important to make sure it continues, because um, they have a nice saying, you know, if they go on a strike within three days, you know, America would stop, because, you know, they deliver everything, especially like fuel and gas. You know, 
But that's why they say America would stop because no one would deliver their gas. If all truck drivers decided to go on strike, this country would shut down in a week. There would be no gas at the pumps in two days. No groceries within three to four in grocery stores. It is amazing. You know, we what we do every day, it makes such a difference. People at home, you know, they've got to think that we sacrifice getting to see our kids to put food on your table. Everything comes by truck. At some point or another, everything does. Either if it's not the clothes you're wearing, it might be the threads going. To, I used to uh, pick up over in the heart of North Carolina, down there in North Carolina, Georgia line. I used to take bales of cotton that was picked up in, in the, out the fields, right? Up to a thread uh, place up there where they dye it and they thread it and make, make yarns and things. I'd never seen all the stuff, you know, all the different little things that go by truck. To me, it's not gonna be long-term. I can't imagine doing this for 30, 40 years. I'm hoping to give it another five, maybe nine more years and do something before I turn 60. <laughs> One day I'd like to own a fleet of my own and I'd stay home, let other people make money for me. But it's not in the cards for me right now, so. My father is, I've grown up around this. My father um, is 84 years old. He started driving trucks in 19, the spring of 1961. He is still freaking driving. He's got one eyeball he can see out of. The other one's got to go cover something. But anyway, the truck's all he knows. That's what he does. He's, he he uh, delivers uh, new trucks for different companies now. But I mean, he still, you know, gets up and, you know, goes and gets in the truck. My brother's got his own truck. And I did not want to go in trucks. I was like, man, I want to get in a truck. I, I felt claustrophobic, you know, before I got used to it. Once I got used to being alone and just with your own thoughts and your own, because your mind can be your worst enemy. And if you, if you can conquer the loneliness and, and be, com be comfortable with being alone, you got it made, man. You can, the sky's the limit then. Because then it takes a real special person to freaking get up in your atmosphere because you're like, hey, I'm good the way I am. Well, you bring the table. <laughs> the story on truckers was put together by reporter Justin Higginbottom. It will air again soon as part of a new effort KZMU News has been working on, a special theme show, what we're calling an audio magazine. We'll have news, music, and creative writing as part of that special. Stay tuned for details on the broadcast. It'll also, of course, show up on our KZMU News podcast. And now the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. There are some creatures creating a bit of a nuisance for downtown residents lately. Doug McMurdo with the Times Independent has more from their coverage. This is kind of a, a funny story. People, especially people who live downtown, it's been a stinky year because skunks have been patrolling and um, they've been spraying. I've, I've smelled it several times at my house. Uh, comes through the swamp cooler and... Um, it's, it smells like skunk. Fortunately, my dog has not been sprayed yet. She's been sprayed in the past, mm -hmm. but not this year. Reporter Sophia Fisher and I were talking about, you know, we should do a story about the skunks. And her research um, indicates that this has not been a banner year for um, skunk complaints made to the city. They're down quite a bit. I have a theory about that. I think once people learned a couple years ago 
that when an officer is called out, animal control or police officer or a deputy, that animal gets euthanized. That's the rule. And I think people would rather deal with the stink than put an animal, have an animal put down. You know, they are a nuisance, I suppose, but they're also very cute, even though they stink so bad. But I have talked to a lot of people. Everybody that I've talked to says it's been a bad year for skunks. I know you've had issues. Um, Yeah, it was this season. I saw um, a skunk and three skunk babies in my backyard. That's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Sophia was at her home downtown um, talking to friends about skunks, and she looks out her window, Mm -hmm. and there was a skunk. Um, as they were talking, oh she got a, she got a photo of it. Uh, it's on our front okay. page. So there's anecdotal evidence that there are skunk sightings. There's just not as many skunk complaints. Yeah, and okay. I, and I've seen them right uh, running across um, Fourth East, just scurrying like they know that car's coming. So it's uh, it's pretty funny, uh-huh. but it's it's also it, it can be a nuisance, I yeah. suppose, for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. um, I thought it was worth a story, and, and it turned out that it was. All right, so more on skunks and their smells and the times independent. You're not alone, I guess, if you're out there and smelling them. <laughs> no, and I want to share with the listeners uh-huh. that you yourself said the best thing about COVID was I didn't have to smell the skunks. <laughs> One bright side I had uh, from my COVID experience. Yeah, that's, you know, talk about a silver lining. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, fun story, Doug. Where do you want to take us next? The city has been very busy. The The bottom half of our front page is all about flood relief. Um, the city has has removed 2,800 tons of uh, flood debris from the August 20th flood. And I imagine some of that was also from the August 11th flood. Okay. We tend to forget about that one because it wasn't as dramatic, but it still did a lot of damage. The city public works director, Levi Jones, said that crews continue to work. The consistency or the makeup of what flashed over, the dirt that left behind the sediment, it doesn't clean up like regular dirt, Mm. regular sand. So Mm. uh, street sweepers are having to make several passes to get it up. But Mm -hmm. the the thing is, I I know that people are getting impatient, but they are working diligently. I see that street sweeper all the time. There's only so much you can do when you only have... um, I'm not sure how many they have, but right. they don't have too many street sweepers, I'm sure. They're, they're expensive. And the, the other thing is, as far as um, this whole process, it's going to take a while, mm-hmm. I think, to recover from this flood. It's been close to a month already. There's still debris, and people are still uh, cleaning up. We still have a huge stain uh, on our carpet at the Times Independent, mm-hmm. so, um, and, and we'll have to get that taken care of. But to go to another story, Grand County has paid out 57000 out of the 250000 pot of TRT funding it had for uh, businesses that were impacted by the August 20th flood. So, you know, so often when I sit in this chair and talk about the stories that we cover, it's critical of government, but I I, want to applaud the city and Grand County for their uh, their reaction. They've identified some real flaws in Mm -hmm. our emergency response capabilities. But they've also taken, I think, some really swift action. It's just uh, one of those deals where this is an example of government doing a good thing. Well, thank you. More flood coverage, of course, in the TI. And I noticed that you interviewed a new principal here in Grand County. Yes, Dr. Todd Thompson. He started August 1st. Uh, his wife and son came to Moab on July 31st, and he started work the next day. I tried to get him to uh, talk about his background and, and his history, and uh, he gave me just enough information to let people know where he's been and, and um, how he got here. But he really wanted to focus on, number one, the students, making sure that the high school maintains a bully-free environment. Mm. If they can do that, they're, they're miracle workers, but I'm... I'm 
yeah. think that they're doing it a lot better these days than they did when I was a kid. I mean, he's all about uh, keeping the parents involved. He's incredibly supportive of the faculty. He's all about inclusivity. He wants to establish a, a teen center, a teen room at the high school on campus mm-hmm. where, you know, not all the kids are into athletics or um, other extracurricular activities, and that kind of, like, stifles their ability to uh, go out and socialize. He's established two councils, uh, one for parents and one with faculty, and um, he'll listen to them. They'll discuss what's going right, what's going wrong, and bringing the community in. Uh, that's what it's all about. He's all about inclusivity. He's all about you are what you are, and we want you to be the best you you can be, and I got to know him pretty well. I get to know your um, Green County High School principal. Where did he come from? Did you, he, did you mention? He came from Hartsville, South Carolina. Okay. It's a town of about 7,500 people Mm -hmm. and not far from the capital of Columbia, maybe Mm -hmm. uh, an hour's drive. And uh, before that, he was a principal of an international school in uh, Kuwait. So he's got that experience and he's taught or been principals uh, both in California and in Florida. So he's, he's rather nomadic. Hopefully he's around for a while. He's got an eight-year-old who goes to HMK, and he's already into mountain biking. He went for his, his very first mountain biking ride and fell in love with it. Uh-huh. Um, so I think he's going to fit into Moab really well. I feel like the kids um, are in good hands, and I think the teachers uh, have the support that they're going to need. I welcome them to Moab. Doug McMurdo, editor at the Times Independent. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. Moab is reviewing its flood recovery efforts, specifically how to finance them. Allison Harford of the Moab Sun News has the latest from their coverage. So now the city and the county are looking into, like, what kind of funding can we get to offset some of these costs from the damages? So Rachel and I both reported on this. Rachel was focused on the county, and I focused more on the city. But we both found that the county and the city are kind of struggling to meet these thresholds for damage. One of the biggest flood funding agencies is the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which Mm -hmm. is FEMA. Mm -hmm. Um, But to qualify for individual assistance programs through FEMA, there had to have been 100 homes that sustained major damage from the August 20th flood. Um, And they didn't find that in the county and in the city, only 23 homes reported being impacted by the flood. Two were destroyed, three sustained major damage, and 18 were affected. But there were 41 businesses that were affected by the flood, but still that doesn't meet this damage threshold. And so the U.S. Small Business Administration also offers low-interest loans for homes and businesses that were affected by declared disasters. Mm. But for an event to qualify, at least 25 homes and businesses must have sustained major damage. Mm. Um, And so there are all these thresholds of damage Mm. that businesses and homes so far aren't really meeting. Um, And so Rachel talked to the community support liaison for the Utah Division of Emergency Management, whose name is Whitney Coonrad. And Coonrad explained that there are so many scenarios that can define damage as major. And so this county is still kind of going over like what damage Mm -hmm. actually happened. And so 
they're getting really close to figuring that out, whether they will be able to qualify for funding. And Coonrad said they're really going over it with a fine-tooth comb. The city is also doing a lot of flood recovery. Um, so they're, you know, getting rid of debris and trying to remove flood deposition and all of that. And then also analyzing, you know, how much damage was sustained. And so Chuck Williams, the city's engineer, presented this at the Moab City Council meeting on September 13th. He said that the estimated total cost for flood recovery, including debris removal, road and bridge damage, water control facilities damage, utilities damage, and recreation facility damage, is around uh, $17 million. But that amount includes $13 million that was allocated for water control facilities damage. And so um, Chuck Williams has talked about this before, right after the flood. He said, you know, we really need some sort of drainage system for Mm. Mill and Pack Creek. And so those drainage systems could be riparian corridors or extra protection around bridges or debris basins. And so he estimated that $13 million would be needed to create those drainage systems. This damage number of 17 million kind of is like an unclear number also because it doesn't yet include costs associated with emergency protective measures and buildings and equipment damage. Um, So it's both this number that represents damage that already happened but also what the city is estimating it will spend on preparing for the next flood. It's repair mixed with mitigation. Right, exactly. Because they don't want to just like, okay, we can get it back to what it once was, but we don't actually want to do this every year. Right, exactly. (laughs) So the city has also been talking to FEMA. Um, They've been talking to the Natural Resources Conservation Services, Mm -hmm. which would help with this um, drainage basin project. But funding is really tricky to get. Both agencies require a 25% match if the city qualifies for funding at all. And that qualification depends on um, how much the city's insurance is going to pay for. So both of those agencies assess damage based on the out-of-pocket cost. Um, So whatever comes after the insurance. And next week, the evaluation from the insurance company will be finalized. So the city and the county both don't really know yet. Now, you and Rachel both reported on this subject. Mm -hmm. You know, do you feel like you've gained more knowledge about insurance companies and FEMA funding and all this? Because it sounds very complex. Yeah, it does sound complex and complicated. I mean, I think federal aid is really allocated for like big huge events like there was a bunch of flooding in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And so um, while this flood did damage a lot of our town I think through the federal aid eyes we're a small town Mm -hmm. and only you know 40 businesses and 20 homes doesn't meet any thresholds right well I mean that's a that's a huge wake-up call and right kind of an argument for mitigation work anything else to mention about this piece in the Moab Sun News yeah so um, Mayor Joa Langanese said that public areas are still closed and so a lot of this is the Mill Creek Parkway mm-hmm. which was damaged pretty severely mm-hmm. um, and she asked that people stay off of it because um, there are a couple bridges where the structural integrity is questionable um, and there's also still dangerous debris Well, where do you want to take us next, Allie? Another round of COVID boosters is available at the health department. The new shots would protect against the Omicron variant, which is one of the most recent um, super contagious variants. And so the world is kind of moving toward this new normal with COVID where you are going to have to get a booster shot maybe Mm. once a year or so. Mm. And so now the CDC is recommending this new booster shot. And so is the Southeast Utah Health Department. Um, And the health department is offering these shots for free. 
who's eligible? This shot is recommended for people who have received a full primary series of the COVID-19 vaccination and whose last booster shot um, was at least two months ago. So I feel like a lot of people are going to fall into that category. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people got their booster last fall. Mm -hmm. And so um, time moves really quickly and Mm -hmm. fall is coming around again. Um, So a lot of people haven't been boosted or vaccinated for a year. Also in the Moabson News are some profiles of events. Um, what events do we have coming up? The annual Youth Garden Project Harvest Festival is coming up on the 24th of September. Um, so the Harvest Festival is really an event that marks the shift in the seasons from summer to fall and from growing to harvest. And this year there are a couple new events. So I talked to Jesse Shelby, who's the Outreach and Development Coordinator, and she said there will be new food, there will be a new scavenger hunt, um, Um, And there will also be the very classic like lawn games and activities and booths. And there will also be a couple new blue ribbon um, produce competitions. Okay, so these are categories that locals can enter with uh, their homegrown produce. Do you have some examples of categories? The categories are classic, which is the most true to type fruit or vegetable, uh, floral arrangement, silliest fruit or vegetable, rarest fruit or vegetable variety, heaviest tomato, largest melon or squash, and best veggie creature. So the veggie creature is new. Um, This category is created for Moabites who maybe don't grow their own food but still want to participate. So vegetables can be sourced from the grocery store and participants have to create a creature from the vegetables like an ear of corn with a tomato head and chive hair or something fun so the harvest festival is coming back it's next weekend you said Mm -hmm. anything else to say about this event yeah so there will also be a hot sauce contest um, in addition to the jam and pie contests and Shelby said that YGP wanted to celebrate the abundance of peppers grown in Moab Um, so the hot sauce contest is much of the same as the jam contest Um, There's one entry per person. It'll be like a people's choice award and there will also be judges and prizes awarded. And how do you enter the contest? Drop-offs will be on Friday, September 23rd from 5 to 7 p.m. or Saturday morning from 9 to 11 a.m. Allison Hartford, reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. That's it for the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. Find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes at our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to the KZMU News Podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU Community Powered Radio.